1: And thanks for listening. How will we power our future? Can we create a healthy and clean economy?
0: I'm Greg Dalton, host of the Climate One Radio and TV show, and thank you for uh, coming here to spend your Sunday afternoon with us. and I'm delighted to be up here with uh Nancy Kelly maker of, of that film and uh, next to him is uh, next to her is Will Rogers president and CEO of the Trust for Public Land and then we have Trent Orr who's a staff attorney at Earth Justice and Nancy Dobbs president and CEO of KRCB. This is part of a series we do periodically in cinemas with filmmakers and this one is particularly uh pleasing to me meaningful to me I cherish the land as you do and one of my earliest memories is as as a child, uh, being drugged to the beach, dragged to the beach with my mother to participate in a rally uh, involuntarily uh, for the uh, uh, Proposition 20, which was to uh, create the Coastal Commission uh, down in Carmel. So we're going to do this, so we're going to get your participation. Uh, we're going to do this in a way that uh, is accessible to people outside the room who may not have seen the film yet. And we're going to re- do about a 25-minute conversation, and we'll pass the microphone around in just a minute to get your participation. Uh, Nancy Kelly, let's begin with you. Tell us about the background, how you came to this story and the inspiration for, for making this interesting film. Well, it's, um, it's on.
2: this is probably a good question for Nancy Dobbs because it was her idea.
0: Well, Nancy Dobbs, tell us. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, in 1998,
1: uh, I, uh, was given a copy of Marty Griffin's book that had just been published, The Saving of the Marin-Sonoma Coast. If you haven't read it, I, I strongly encourage you to do so. And basically the story is chock full of these stories of how individual people had made a huge difference in saving the, uh, the coastline that we all know and perhaps take for granted. And that's what inspired me was that I thought I knew those stories. I thought I knew all about the, uh, Marin in Sonoma and the North Bay area and found out that I had no idea how close we came to losing it all and these parables these stories were stories that I felt working at a public television station where stories that everybody should know, both to be inspired and to thank the heroes, but also to know that that's what it takes to save your lands and save your communities. So I wandered around in the wilderness for a while until I hooked up with Nancy and Kenji, and uh, they're obviously, as you can see, great producers, and the rest is, well, you saw it.
0: Well, Nancy, tell us a little bit about making the film. Obviously, you had some audio archives of some of the people are still around. so Stuart Udall. Tell us about how your act got to some of the key characters in the film.
2: Well, I think one of my favorite stories is um, trying to figure out how to get Mr. Udall to be in the documentary because I didn't I really didn't think we'd have. This is Stuart to be, Udall, Secretary of Interior Stuart under Stuart President Udall, Kennedy. who, who mm-hmm. was the Secretary of the Interior under Presidents Kennedy and johnson. and um and he, was still alive at that time, and he was living in um, Santa Fe. And um, Bill Duddleson, who um, is, you see in the documentary, he was the um, legislative aide to um, Congressman Clem Miller. And Bill called Mr. Udall on my behalf, and he was willing to talk to me. But he, when I called him and asked him if I could come and interview him, he said no. I thought, oh, no. And I said, Mr. Udall, no doesn't really work for me. <laughs> and um, he didn't think that it would be worth it for me and my crew to fly to San to spend that money to go there but his he has a son who lives here in the San Francisco Bay Area and when he was coming to spend Thanksgiving with his son he called and said um, I'm willing to be interviewed
0: glad that you, you turned him around on that Uh <laughs> Will Rogers, tell us the significance of this uh, creation, this this win, really, in terms of the national park system, the larger national uh, efforts to save lands near urban areas.
3: Well, I think as as Huey Johnson said, this was really the first n- urban national park, and uh, and Huey, um, having been at the Nature Conservancy, had developed a, a realization that, uh, particularly in that time when development was you know, the beginning of an environmental movement but where development was still incredibly powerful, that if we didn't connect people with nature close to where they live, we'd have no constituency for wild nature. And he realized that um, you really have to have close-to-home conservation, close-to-home wild places, uh, and that was a, a very powerful concept that was new at the time. It was not traditional land conservation in a sense. And... Uh, and, and I think coming out of that experience and coming out of the success, it really sparked a movement. And now you see a whole lot more, both in the National Park Service, but, but all across the country. The proliferation of land trusts, there's something like 1600 of them now across the country. Uh, it's, it's been an amazing saga.
0: And in the film it says the National Park Service even resisted this idea initially themselves.
3: Yes, they did. Um, and, and there have been a number of instances, and I can think of several, the Martin Luther King uh, National Historic Site, uh, other places where the Park Service was not enthusiastic about the management challenges, frankly, of dealing with an urban national park, particularly for an agency that is used to dealing with wildlands uh, or, or wilder lands. Um, but, but, for example, MLK and the GGNRA are both crown jewels in the National Park Service now, so they've, they've come around.
0: So national parks were thought to be Yosemite, Yellowstone, these areas pristine, far away from urban areas. Trent, or tell us what you think are the lessons of this film and the impact more broadly of the saving of, of Point Reyes and the, the seashore.
4: Well, I think um, it really did revolutionize what we thought about national parks. It was the first park that really of any size point. Reyes was the first park of really any size that was created from private land. And as we saw in the film, there was the gentleman there with his fly swatter who <laughs> seemed ready to smack down any effort to,
0: for scenery, yeah. to
4: buy uh, scenery. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, if we had not done that, if we hadn't had the sort of revolution in thinking about national parks that happened with point Reyes, um, a whole series of parks around the country, including the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, which followed in its tracks, wouldn't exist. And now the park, basically a national park, goes from Tamales Point all the way down to southern San Mateo County, and that's just remarkable. I mean, one thing the the film doesn't uh, focus on as much because it wasn't as controversial by then because of all the path-breaking work is the amount of land South of San Francisco, that's now part of the park as well. There's some just some remarkable areas down there. Um, and again, sort of interspersed with some state park lands, some state beaches. And from a biodiversity standpoint, it's also very important because you have these sort of seamless corridors of land all the way from... San Mateo up to the northern part of Marin. I mean, that may be one reason, for example, we now see coyotes in the Presidio because there are ways they can, you know, I used to live in Bernal Heights in the city, and the coyotes would show up in this little tiny uh, urban park. So it's made a big difference to the sort of the health of the ecosystems around as well.
0: So. There is a consequence, though, and it's briefly mentioned in the film, is that it had an impact on property prices and may have just pushed development east into other areas. It stopped it in certain places, but those homes were, were still developed. So I'd like to get you know Will and, and Trent to t- comment on sort of, you know, it, whether it really had an impact just pushing it somewhere else. Uh,
3: I, I think to the extent that you buy into a very dispersed pattern of growth uh, where, that consumes a lot of land, th- there are impacts. Um, and, and clearly, in, no question in my, in my mind, that the right choice was made. I think the way out of that uh, challenge is through better density and really making our cities work better so that we can accommodate more people in a wonderful living environment but but clearly it's a zero-sum game if we continue uh, a dispersed development
4: pattern
0: just pushing it somewhere else yep. right Trent. Trent anything then
4: well no, I would the the same I think that Urban smart growth is the the way to go. I mean, obviously the gorilla in the room that I wish I had a handle on is growing human population. And, uh, I mean, that's one that we're all going to have to contend with and we aren't, no one is grappling with now. Nancy Dobbs?
1: Well, I, I think they've said it well. The, the issues of infill and so on are things that we have to pay attention to now. What the pattern was then was just keep going out and out and out with any, without any planning, without any attention to other needs besides housing and, and places for people to live and work. I think now the, 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 the work of the last couple of decades have shown us that city planning and urban planning can be done very well and it's a constant challenge. Just like preserving those lands is a constant challenge, so is it to figure out how to deal with the needs of the population. And I think we're still right in the midst of that.
0: Nancy Kelly, I want to talk briefly about uh, Cleveland, and then we'll get to climate. But there's a, a case – Cleveland, there's a sort of sister parallel story here. So tell us about that.
2: Yes, um, we screened Rebels with a Cause at the um, Cleveland International Film Festival a couple of months ago. And, um, and we got to know the people from the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, which is minutes away from downtown Cleveland, like 20 minutes away. And um, and we learned that that park came about um, in the same legislation as the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, and it was so interesting to um, hear people in Cleveland in the post-screening discussions after seeing Rebels um, talk with reverence about Congressman Phil Burton, because they you know they had their own congresspeople who were agitating for that park, but it was Phil Burton that brought it home, and they haven't forgotten that.
0: And what an unlikely hero, a guy who only goes outside to smoke a cigarette, right? I mean, (laughs) it's one of my favorite lines in that whole thing. Um, How will climate change impact this park and and our approach toward uh, other parks in the future like this? Will Rogers, uh, there's a lot of stress on these ecosystems, and uh, climate change is going to threaten them in a new way.
3: Yeah, and I don't know that anyone truly knows except that they really will be affected. I mean, you have, you know, today's wetland is tomorrow's ocean bottom or at least halfway through or at the end of this century. Um, We'll either have too much water or too little water, and it's going to come a whole lot quicker. Um, it, the, the odds of our having any kind of appreciable snowpack over time to hold our waters will change dramatically. I think we'll be doing more structural water retention. I think there are a huge number of environmental issues that are, are gonna force us to really understand. We've got, uh, you know, the, the pine bark beetle in the, in the Rockies. You're seeing just vast swaths of conifers that are, that are dead. Um, and we're just beginning to understand what the implications are. So I don't know that anyone can tell you exactly what's going to happen out there, but it's going to be different.
0: Definitely will change. Some people would say that protecting California's coast has pushed development inland where people have a higher carbon footprint. You live in Fresno, you use more air conditioning, and this is really challenging to say that maybe there ought to be more people living along the coast where it's cooler, where we treasure the ecosystem, but they have a lower carbon footprint. That turns California's development of the last fifty years upside down. Trendor? Is that blasphemy? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it's not blasphemy, but I guess the question is how do you save things that are important? I mean, I, I think that there are wonderful things in the Central Valley as well. If any if you ever visited the Carrizo Plain National Monument down in the southwest uh, valley, it's an extraordinary place. So I I don't think it should be an either-or Um, One other remark about the climate change thing, too, is that a good thing that's come out of this model of the GGNRA, Point Reyes, uh, Mount Tam, and the Marin Watershed lands, the conglomeration of lands, is that one hope in climate change is having connected habitats. I mean, there's talk of a... Rockies to the Yukon kind of corridor, because as things get warmer, um, Wolverines may not be able to live in Colorado or even Montana anymore. And unless there are ways that they can get from one habitat to another without freeways and, you know, fences and obstructions, we're going to lose some of those creatures. And so one good thing that comes out of this pattern and one thing we have to figure out whether it's on the coast or the central valley is how to maintain those connected habitat areas.
0: Something called the uh, the American Prairie Reserve that's happening in Montana, Wyoming and there's some very large and wealthy landowners thinking about providing providing just that. Let's uh, include the audience in this. We have two microphones. Uh we have one microphone in the audience. It's right here so if you'd like to raise your hand we'll uh, include your participation. So who over here? Or there we go. Okay, right over here. Give us a just a second so we can uh we can get to you and uh, welcome.
5: Thank you, um, thank you guys for an, a phenomenal film and it's just an amazing communication. It's just uh, that's just really a remarkable work, um, and and the issues seem to be really current today with things that we face in Marin County again. Uh, so I think it's just got some really great contemporary meaning. For instance, it seems apparent from the film that the big challenges are the profit motive that was available for what, you know, development of Marinchello and, and Inverness Ridge and all of these things could have been in terms of the value of real estate. And so Citizens United to sort of fight that with much bigger planning and, and, and better processes in mind. Today we face issues where we're talking about, you know, high-rise density in, an, in this 101 corridor right here, which is already choked with traffic, could can't handle any more development. And um, you know, so so That's again, profit modus is driving us. What, what what's the next? What do we do about all this uh, in terms of using the lessons from this process to to help manage today's issues? Yeah,
0: where are the next wins? We'd like to tackle that.
5: Yeah. Will Rogers. Oh,
3: thanks. Um, it, it, actually for me the the, the big lesson um, from what we just saw and there are there are wonderful stories, and these were wonderful stories beautifully told uh, is that um, activism still matters a lot and all over the country, we see on a day to day basis people um, citizens coming together for, around things they really care about and and making a difference whether it 's the woods around Walden Pond or the High Line in New York that the city was going to tear down, and just a small group of neighborhood people said, no, we can't let that happen. Maury Point, which is part of the GGNRA down in Pacifica, was a, a, a many-year battle that eventually uh, protected a, a wonderful place. I mean, in, in south of Jackson, in the Hoback, uh, it was slated for fracking, and it, it now won't be thanks to, you know, 10 years of, of, of activist activists Struggle. So I think that's coming out of this. We're going to face uh, we're going to face challenges we're not even aware of right now. But if the message is that um, if people care and put their time and their energy where their care and their passion is, we we can really make a difference. And so, uh, you know. The battles are going to change, uh, and and we're seeing them change on a regular basis, and I, I don't know what the ultimate solution is around density. We happen to live in a part of the world where everybody wants to live. It's for obvious reasons. You know, and for every Marin County, there are a 100 other counties that don't have the foresight and the thought and where activism is even more needed.
0: Let's get a few more questions. We have about nine minutes left, so we'll uh, include as many as we can. Yes, Um,
6: I have often thought about how great it would be to have a museum in Marin County to the history of environmentalism, one that would be very accessible to tourists. And when you're talking about other areas where activism isn't so great – one, my first question is, has anyone ever heard anyone speak of the possibility of having a museum to the history of environmentalism? And secondly, probably more practically in a short run, is what are the plans to use this film to spur on activism in the rest of the country?
0: So Marin Museum of Environmentalism, Nancy Dobbs, any this is a good uh, next project for you?
6: Oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm on it.
0: <laughs> Nancy Kelly, what's the, the film? Uh, yeah, activism in the film.
2: What's really interesting is that, um, people watch this film in other parts of the country and they see a way to inspire the people in their communities to, um, take action in whatever they're working on. And, um, for example, later this month, I'm going to Washington DC and, um, and I'm going to meet with the people, um, in an African American community who are trying to, um, restore and save the Anacostia River, which flows through their neighborhood. And, and the, um, the person who sort of Invited me there, um, said that he couldn't think of a better film to inspire the community groups that he's working with. So I'm really interested to hear um, what he is up to when I go there.
3: Um, One advantage that we have, um, you know, and I I think capturing these stories is terrific. And so many of us are doing this are on to the next challenge, um, and we tend not to look back. We're so fortunate to have Huey Johnson. Um, Doug Ferguson. Doug might even be in the audience tonight, but um, and, and other people who are still here to actually uh, tell these stories and be mentors for those of us who are really trying to figure out how to do this. That that passion um, is palpable when you when you sit down with these people, and I think this film really conveyed that well. If I could
4: add just one comment, Trent Orcher. Yeah, I I hadn't seen this film before today, and uh, I just I hope it gets shown in as many festivals and forums as possible. And one message that might be pushed from it, if you look at my old former friends, uh, or still friends, but no longer with us, uh, Ed Wayburn and Boyd Stewart, is that we ought to tell people that activism is clearly good for you because these people live to be 100. And <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: Let's
0: have our next audience question. Yes.
1: Hi. Um, the question is, because this movie is so... Motivating and inspirational, and and um, <clears throat> educational. Is are there any plans uh, to include this in our educational systems? Like, can our local high schools look forward to this being incorporated into the educational? Uh, mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Nancy Kelly. Any. There are, um, we, Rebels just got, a, um, an educational distributor, New Day Films. And, um, so now we have to make the DVDs, make sure we have the money in the bank to do that. And, um, and it's going to be closed captioned because that's what California schools require. And then we'll, um, go about letting teachers, particularly in California, but all over the country know. And there's going to be a national broadcast. We'll, we'll be distributing it through PBS as well, so
1: you can be sure that the cities all over the country will be equally inspired. Fantastic. Next
0: question, yes.
6: Yes, on the question of, uh, of a history of environmental environmentalism in Marin County, there are a number of dispersed efforts going on. Huey Johnson himself is conducting a series of interviews called Forces of Nature, Uh, Point Reyes is is, uh, interviewing some of the elders before they pop off. Um, Marine Conservation League, which I happen to represent, has over the past five years been conducting a series of walks into conservation history, choosing places like Ring Mountain, Maroncello, Tamales Bay State Park, China Camp, uh, Angel Island and so on and, so, and, and and point raised to the National Seashores the point being that there is a, a, a really rich legacy and people now who come to the county simply don't realize that their use of these open space lands depends upon the efforts that have gone on over the years each one has an exciting story
0: and especially thanks to the young folks, kids who came uh, to learn about that here today on a Sunday afternoon, when they could be doing a lot of other things. So uh, let's have another audience question. Yes.
5: Hi, Greg.
3: Um, this is for uh, Will and maybe Trent. I thought it was really interesting
5: that uh, the kind of this breakthrough where they said we can have ranching still going on within a national park. And I think that was kind of unprecedented.
3: Are there any other good examples, either here or elsewhere, of that kind of, you know, multi-use compromise, if you will, that sort of worked
5: out well for, for sides that initially appeared to be on the, on the opposite side of it? I
3: I can speak to, I can speak to a couple. there, first of all, the Marine Agricultural Land Trust is, you know, that model of conservation easements that, that essentially give up the right to development on agricultural land. Um, has been an enormously powerful tool, and in particularly in the West, where there's so much public land to begin with, um, there's there's a real appetite to, to protect land, but not necessarily have it move into public ownership. I, I think of a lot of work that's done with forest land easements, where uh, large timber companies, large and small, public, private, um, essentially give up their rights to develop that land, but are also willing to have public access. Uh, for hunting, fishing, traditional uses on their land. So I think you're getting – you can get some real public benefit out of a a variety of different uses that recognize that working landscapes are really important for the vitality of traditional communities, jobs, et cetera. So you don't have this jobs versus the environment issue. It can be jobs and the environment if done well.
0: We can have one quick last question, and our time will be up. Yes.
7: Uh, Thank you, Nancy, for making a really wonderful film about a place that's near and dear to me. Um, a lot of us that have been activists and conservationists our entire lives now find us in an interesting find ourselves in an interesting position where we are somewhat pro-development with uh, smart growth. And in Marin, that's along the 101 corridor. I don't think anybody really wants to see high-rise development, as many people seem to misconstrue. Um, but we know, because of the challenges of climate change in particular and population growth, that we do need to accommodate people who need housing, not just in Marin, but but everywhere in the United States, A- and you know, globally. Um, so, what would your advice be for conservationists who also believe we need to grow in a smart way? We're still environmentalists, and but we know that the world has changed, and we have to accommodate those changes.
0: So, smart growth in thirty seconds. Who wants that one? <laughs> Trentor.
4: Um, Well, I mean, it's it's just something that that sort of makes sense given the world we live in right now, and it's not you know it's not just Marin County. If you look at the hills in Alameda County, you know, west of the development, uh, there have been attempts to draw urban boundaries around Livermore and Pleasanton those areas, and every county in the Bay and every county in the country probably has these problems. And I think you just you have to be quite uh, forthright, I think, in your uh, uh, I, I live in San Francisco and I would much rather see more development in San Francisco. Obviously, I have my opinions on what it should be and how high it should be and where it should be. But still, there should be more people in San Francisco before we pave over or build housing over farmland in the Central Valley or uh, south of San Jose or whatever. But it's it's just sort of got to be a, a constant thinking about what makes the most sense, how do we get people out of their cars, how do we make sort of pedestrian-friendly zones, all of those sorts of things. If if we can't do that, um, you know, in 50 years, we're going to look a lot worse than, than we could. Nancy
1: Dobbs? I think smart is the operative word, and I think the other thing is keep paying attention to what's going on in your community and don't give up.
0: Uh, we're at the end here. I just want to thank uh, Nancy Dobbs in particular for championing this film, but also championing the Climate One radio and TV show, which li- exists largely due because of Nancy's championship. So thank you very much. Uh, we're very happy. Um Um, climate one is on the radio on KRCB Thursday evenings at seven. It's also, we're very happy we're out now on KWMR and West Marin point Ray station Saturdays at 10 o'clock. That's new. And, uh, if you'd like to stay in touch with the cinema series, uh, please make sure in other programs, please make sure you sign the email, uh, clipboard that was going around next Saturday. We have a film in San Francisco, the Embarcadero theater, Saturday night. It's about environmentalists who have embraced nuclear power. Um, That's Pandora's Promise, uh, featuring Stuart Brand and others. So uh, controversial evening Saturday night. I'd like to thank the panel, Nancy Dobbs, Trent Orr, Will Rogers, and Nancy Kelly for joining us, and thank you for coming out on a Sunday.